Am I a robot? No, you sound like a normal person. Oh God, I hope oh it laughs. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode. This is episode number seven of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. Excuse me. Uh, my name is Andy. Along with me is my two wonderful co-hosts, Ryan and Kelsey. And uh, despite that sudden attack of the hiccups, there uh, we are alive and kicking in 2015. We've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Um, We've got a brand new show for Marvel that just came out. We've got some new Marvel movie information. Uh, earlier today, actually, uh, Image announced a whole bunch of brand new comics. Uh, Axis from Marvel finally ended, so the world's rejoicing. <laughs> and um, we've also got a handful of other comics that we're going to talk about this week. Um, but anyways, uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, Kelsey, Ryan, how was the rest of your uh, 2014? Um, pretty, pretty solid. <laughs> yeah i tried real hard to get drunk on new year's and uh i didn't which is kind of worrisome but other than that it was good dude That's you're right. cool i was like asleep at like eight forty-five on new year's i woke up at like two in the morning i was like oh so that happened i guess <laughs> i was just like angry because i was like i'm gonna go so hard because i had had like <laughs> i had three days off and three weeks at work so i was just like oh, yeah shit. i des- i deserve it so i tried real hard and by like Two in the morning, I just ended up cleaning my friend's apartment, and I was like, okay, <laughs> time to go home. You're my favorite. Don't ever change. That's right. <laughs> I, I was uh, hanging out with some friends, um, one of which uh, she's pregnant, one of them she's breastfeeding. Uh, so it was uh, <laughs> me and their two husbands drinking. At, uh, Lactation party. <laughs> yeah, it was It was fantastic. Uh, it was really, really a wild time. But at any rate, <laughs> uh, we've got all kinds of awesome stuff going on uh, in the world of comics. And uh, most recently, I guess what we really wanted to start the show off with is uh, Marvel's most recent foray into TV with the yes. uh, recently debuted Agent Carter, uh, following the life of Peggy Carter back in really like the Cold War, World War II age of Marvel history, and uh, seems to be getting smashing reviews. I know Kelsey, you uh, you really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, let's just talk about let's just talk about Agent Carter forever because big, big, big Peggy fan all my life forever, and the interpretation of this show is just everything I want in, like, a comic-to-TV kind of thing. Um, It's, like, how I've talked shit on Gotham repeatedly because they're too pandering and everything like that. Like, this one really isn't, like, everything that they add in there. Like, like, even the clips from, like, the cat movies and stuff like that. Like, super tasteful, super well done, and, like, it doesn't insult your intelligence while it does it while still giving you, like, super cool throwbacks and super badass, like lady just fucking annihilating fucking faces like (laughs) i just love it and Haley atwell is a fox yeah she's perfect in like every way like let's just have her in everything forever plus i'm really excited to have start a stark on tv just all the time yeah no definitely uh it's it's cool to see Dominic Cooper, who was Howard Stark in, I want to say, the Captain America movie as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, and uh, it's cool. It was cool to see his like him show up and be like, "Hey, I know exactly who that is." Like they didn't have <laughs> yeah. to like really like explain or anything. And I don't know. I thought they did a pretty good job in in one of the episodes because they did like back to back premiere day, so they mm-hmm. showed like two episodes worth on the first day, which also is pretty cool. That's nice for someone like me who never can 
catch television live. So <laughs> it means I can like marathon for a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I, there was even like a little, nice little Iron Man 2 call out, uh, like a little Easter egg in there. And I don't know, it's it seems it seems promising, like super promising. Like like you guys already said, Haley Atwell knocks it out of the park. Can I also just say that I really appreciate that every like I don't have like the word for it. I don't there's not a word for it, but like every kind of like thing that I'm super fangirl about, like series wise, like this one I know I'm gonna be obsessed with. Um but also like it reminded me of Firefly at a certain point because she pulled out like her like time for you to sleep now lipstick and I was like, ah yes, it's the classic lady <laughs> spy move. I love when everything does is fucking River Song does it in Doctor Who. <laughs> fucking Saffron does it in Firefly. And now this, it just adds more to my list of like fictional ladies that I love with all my heart. <laughs> and unconscious men, I guess. But <laughs> I think, uh, you know, Ryan and I probably share most of that uh, wonderful lady list and, you know, maybe part of the unconscious men list, too. You know, really it depends on who the unconscious guy is. That's true. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that probably applies for you, too, right? You don't just, like, go up to unconscious men like, hey there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know my life. Um, like, I feel like they could just, like, some kind of, like, geeky fangirl, like, makeup company, and there are quite a few of them, could, like, produce, like, some kind of, like, hallucinogenic or, like, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, like, kind of lipstick that just knocks dudes out. Like, if and they can market it in, like, different colors and, like, name them after different characters. Like, I would fucking buy stock in that. Like, not just to, like, knock dudes out, but just to have. I think that would be very excellent, especially as, like, a self-defense tool. It's like a uh, caloriform. You oh, know? my God. Shut your mouth. That's the best. <laughs> Stop recording. Let's just go oh make money. God. Let's go print our own money. <laughs> anyway, Plus, sorry. Like, they added the Jarvis character, which is cool. I um, really like him. Yeah, and Chad Michael Murray's in it, so, you know, I'm a big One Tree Hill fan, so I can live with that. Who is that on the show? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. My mic fell over, maybe. Um, <laughs> I know his name, but I never watched One Tree Hill, so, He like... was the, like, the main character One Tree Hill, like, the one that was, like, all the girls were in love with. I didn't ever watch that. Who is he on the show? He's Jack Thompson. Um, Is that her friend boy at work? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. He's like, hold on. Hold on. It's a made up character. Or is he? He's not normally, he's not in the comics. He's uh, Agent Jack Thompson is who he's playing. Yeah, he's like the one who like sits across from her, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't recognize him, but like I've heard his name in like a pretentious like... tween soap opera way um that's the so. way it's normally heard so <laughs> that's understandable well you are a big fan of him so it makes sense <laughs> i'm a big fan of all tween soap operas <laughs> i know that about you and that's why i yeah. appreciate you so much i think un- un- except everwood because like fuck that show except you know chris pratt that? was on it but yeah i know right no one knows but for some reason it had more than one season thing? Yeah, it's a 90s thing. No, it's not. It's 2002 to 2006. Whatever. should have been the 90s. <laughs> Why is that show even on for four years? Like, no one no one watched it, Like, but it lasted for four years. No, you got to think about it, though, right? Like, 2002, that's right at the end of, like, all of the really popular, like, you know, soapy, like, teen tween shows. So, like, they were like, 
no, we can totally make this work. And somehow they like convinced someone for three years. And in the fourth year, they they had the same thought you did. Like, why were we making this show for four years? Like, get that shit off the air. This is like, like honestly, <laughs> OC the OC came on in two thousand three. Every other show should have just gave up by that point. Um, how dare you? The West Wing didn't stop until two thousand six, and it should have gone on forever. Okay, I'm not talking about like those <laughs> caliber shows. No, I'm talking like, about like good shows. Yeah, come on, yeah, we're talking like, about like oh. C tier guilty pleasure television. Right exactly. Now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Sitting over here. Gilmore Girls. That was in 2007. So, eh, I don't know. I love Gilmore Girls forever, though. Gilmore Girls writing is definitely a step up from One Tree Fucking Hill. Like, I don't know. I don't. I didn't watch like those shitty tween shows when I was a tween. I was watching West Wing. <laughs> Man, There's some like really good writing in a the Cinderella OC. story. Okay. What yeah, is, he was. In wasn't that. that a movie? That's a, that's yeah, a with Hillary Duff with an 11 percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Yeah, do you, guys, do you guys like that? I just know Hillary Duff's in that off the top of my head. I, didn't I look that, expect I didn't look absolutely shit. nothing uh, less. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that I'm sure that each of us have at least two or more actresses that we could name their home filmography. So you know, yeah, and that's also, no shame in that. Also, don't don't diss OC writing because Alan Heinberg, who was the producer on the OC, went on to write Young Avengers, like the first run, which was awesome. <laughs> Bringing it back. Yeah. No. I mean, if, just, if you note, I said One Tree Hill was the was the crappy show that I mentioned. Yeah. I mean, there's no writers from One Tree Hill that went on to write some like critically acclaimed comic book runs. So I don't think I've ever oh, seen the OC. Like, I think I saw like maybe like oh, 20 what? minutes of an episode where like Marissa, I think her name is, gets like drunk in Mexico and like falls asleep in an alley or something. Seth Cohen is my spirit animal. Like, he's, <laughs> he is everything I wish I was. Oh, and I've seen like a gift set of what's her face dressing up as Wonder Woman for him. Oh yeah, that was awesome. But I mean, like, <laughs> oh, that I was um, um um Rachel Bilson. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I was yeah. just gonna say the girl from that Magnum ice cream commercial. <laughs> <laughs> just ruined. Like, I can't even imagine how many nerds out there just expected their girlfriends for like to do that after that. Is that like when um? Because I'm marathoning Friends right now, like eighty percent of America, because Netflix just put it on on January first. Um, it's like the episode where Rachel puts on the slave Leia outfit for Ross. Yes. She's... <laughs> yeah, and everything's just ruined afterwards. But can I just say for a second, my favorite moment of San Diego Comic Con, I think, is when I was in the Saga panel and Brian and somebody mentioned like the slave girls and whatnot, and like. Um, on one of like the sex planets, or whatever I can't remember the name of it. Um, and how Sophie was a slave girl and all that kind of stuff. And somebody's like, "Oh yeah, you should have like dressed her like slave Leia." And then Brian K. Vaughn like stood the fuck up because he was really <laughs> upset by that. And he's like, first of all, she's a fucking child. Second of all, subjugation isn't sexy, you fucking prick." And he just like <laughs> went off. Now then that just concealed my love for him. Like for way to miss the entire point of that arc in Saga. No, I was like, she. <laughs> Is literally a six-year-old fictional character <laughs> like how more disgusting can you be fyi any of you who are listening who wanted it to be that way then you can just fucking stop please leave <laughs> just so you guys know my friends decided it would be hilarious to sneak into my house and slowly turn off the lights that led into my room <laughs> <laughs> and then lay on the ground and see how long it took for me to notice is that happening right now it just happened <laughs> Coming to you live. Oh, your friends are <laughs> amazing. It won't right? be live when you hear it. Yeah, for real. But yeah, at any rate, yeah. 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 oh, we are way off track uh, yeah. as per usual. <laughs> well, you know, that's nothing new. Uh, so, anyways, we're Sorry. all super in love with Agent Carter. Yes. Uh, I think the biggest thing is it just feels like um, 
it feels like you took the Marvel universe and like shipped it back to 1940s without like fucking it up on the way there. And it's not it's not campy, you know, like um the I don't know. Like sometimes with shows like that, especially not even like shows like that, but sometimes with television shows there for some reason if some shows on for more than 4 seasons, they some do some goddamn episode where it's like what if this show took place in the 40s and it's just like so campy and awful and Marvel was able to completely avoid any of that nonsense. Um, yeah. Which I can really appreciate. That yeah. makes me laugh a lot because you know I know how much you hate bones, but they just did that last season. <laughs> oh, that to me that's like, hey, we're out of ideas. Yeah, no, no, so... it's it's one of those things where it's like, well, gotta go to that uh, good old TV show. Well, you know, time it's to like, have a uh, musical episode. Well, someone's yeah. got an evil twin, guys. <laughs> uh, but anyways. Um, <laughs> Let's uh, get back down to business here. Uh, speaking of getting down, uh, I guess you could be getting oh, down shit. to size to about two oh, minutes or so. That was a good oh, segue. Damn. It was almost was a good one. Uh, down to a brand new two-minute-plus trailer that was just announced. Uh, well, not announced, revealed, I guess is more appropriate, of the new Ant-Man film that's going to be coming out. So this movie yeah. had a bunch of kind of speed bumps on the way to getting made. It was initially trusted to uh, the same guy that did Hot Fuzz and the Cornetto Trilogy and Scott Pilgrim, Edgar Wright. Yeah. And, uh, but unfortunately, Edgar Wright like, went through a bunch of rewrites and was getting ready to do it and then had some other stuff come up, left the project. Um, and now they just brought on um, – I think they brought on one of the writers from – uh, Winter Soldier to help do a little rewrite, but they just re- uh, released a two-minute teaser trailer. Uh, it shows off the film star, who is Paul Rudd, and mm-hmm. uh, Paul Rudd plays Scott Lang, um, yes. who is the second Ant-Man, uh, and uh, it looks like Michael Douglas is going to be playing Hank Pym. I don't know. I think it looks good. Um, Interesting. I, I was Because I read something about it the other day, so I looked into it. The story is still being accredited to Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish, which if you haven't seen Attack the Block, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it a couple times, but you should really see it. Joe Cornish did that. Um, So the story is still being attributed to them. But the screenplay now is being Adam McKay and Paul Rudd. Yeah, that's what I saw. Oh, yes, that's exactly. um, I just came across that as well. Yeah, so it's yeah. the guy who wrote Anchorman and Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah. And the guy who was an Anchorman. <laughs> I mean like, you know, th- there's a there's like a there's a moment in the in the trailer where Paul Rudd says like is it too late to change the name? <laughs> and I don't know, like I feel like the trailer had a a nice little bit of, you know, it's kind of lighthearted. It seemed like there was still some opportunity for cool action. I mean, you know, it was inevitable, but there's a shot of uh, Scott Lang riding on the back of an uh, insect of some kind. What a surprise. <laughs> I, I am cautiously op- optimistic. Um, I, I like the trailer. I love Paul Rudd. I love Michael Douglas. Um, I like just the direction that they're kind of taking with it. Uh, I think it was really a good idea to just skip Hank Pym completely uh, as a main character because he just doesn't really fit in with the Marvel U at this point. Um, but there's just part, there's something in that trailer that I see and I'm like, Oh man, that looks like a generic movie. Like there's just like <laughs> little parts of that trailer where I'm like, Oh yep. This is the guy who did. Yes, man. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I mean, like I, I don't think, I don't think that it's going to be like a cinematic masterpiece or anything, but like, I think that it'll kind be of, fun. Yeah. It's going to be a oh, fun yeah. romp, uh, you know, and, 
I totally agree with you, Ryan. Like just sidestepping Hank Pym and inserting like, you know, we're just going with Scott Lang right away does really fit in a lot better with like the Marvel cinematic universe and like where they have all the other characters and who, you know, who are the Avengers and where everything is there. So um, it was pretty convenient. <laughs> so there, there's some like really interesting casting choices in this movie too. Um, T.I.? The rapper is in it. <laughs> what yeah, Tip Ti yeah. Harris? You know, yeah. Um, and, and Judy Greer, who I I literally can't ever think of her as anything else except for like the sassy best friend who goes behind your back. Uh, that's I all didn't know, I think of like, her. I've as. seen her face nine hundred times, but I never knew she had like a real name. Like, <laughs> she's one of those people. I'm pretty sure she's like one of the ladies on like a news like Sprint iPhone commercial or something. All I can yeah. ever think of. No, she is that lady of Judy Greer as. Is she's from Arrested Development, right? Kenny Sanchez from yeah. Arrested Development. Oh yeah, well, say goodbye to these. <laughs> oh my god. Also, Bobby Cannavale, who's like generic Italian guy. Oh yeah, um, Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> Yeah, and like he has been in some like decent stuff. Boardwalk Empire. He was in Blue Jasmine, that Woody Allen movie. But um, he was also he's like really over the top for me in everything he's in. Um, like he kind of reminds me since we've been watching Friends so much. He's like the <laughs> cinematic version of Joey. I was like he's say, just like I'm super Italian. Reminds yeah. me of the Italian version of Neville Longbottom from Harry Potter. Oh God. <laughs> but Neville's fucking oh. smoking now, so I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I and I just watched Annie, which he was in, and that's he was. I mean, obviously it's like a musical, but he's just like so over the top that <laughs> I don't know. Is he, um, is he like the the villain in Annie? He is. He is. Oh. Um, but Can I mean, I just, like, oh sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I I do love Paul Rudd. I think I think America loves Paul Rudd, and if you don't, you're probably a communist. So, so that's I what I was going to say. I think even communists love Paul Rudd, really. <laughs> like, I don't know. Speaking as someone who finds communism kind of appealing, you know. Uh... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Can I just add one more thing about Paul Rudd? Because that's all I really want to say about this topic is I, like, I'm not sure this is going to be, like you guys said, this is not going to be a cinematic masterpiece at all. It looks kind of cool. It, like, There's like certain parts that are just like, okay, this could just be like stock fucking movie footage. Who cares? But like overall, I think it's going to be super fun and rad to see. But anything with Paul Rudd, I will see because I pretty much just want to send him like an edible arrangement for like facilitating my sexual awakening when I was like 15 and watching Clueless. So basically anything that he's in, he has my money. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. He's just the best. So let's just keep doing this with where he's like the main character and everything. Please. I would, I would also like to point out that John Slattery is reprising his role as Howard Stark for this I movie. I know. I saw that. Randomly. And um, Iron Man 2, the other movie he was in, is probably my least favorite Marvel movie. So <laughs> I'm just like, oh, man, if this one's Wait. also like in that category of like, oh, it's kind of at the bottom of the list, then I'm just going to attribute all the badness to John Slattery. Which one is the Iron Man 2? Like, what happens in that one? It's the one with, Mickey, the one with Mickey Rourke. I don't know. Oh, is that the guy with the, the whips. swooshy things? It's yeah. when they, I mean, they <laughs> introduced them swooshy what? things? I'm sorry. I they, need to it, um, they introduced Black Widow in that movie, which was cool. Nice. Uh, but it had, it had like, you know, Batman and Robin syndrome, where they were like, yeah, there's like three fucking new characters, and two of them are villains, and <laughs> this plot's running all over the place. Yeah, I mean... I will say that uh, Iron Man 2 also had uh, 
suitcase Iron Man suit, which is probably like <laughs> one of the coolest things to see on the big screen. But yeah, it was that's definitely when that movie stopped three. being cool. Yeah, yeah. But, and then it was like, oh, Whiplash <laughs> is in the middle of an F1 racetrack with uh, giant electrified whips, and yeah. Anyways. Um, so I think it'll be good. I think also the most important part is like very clearly it's another Marvel Studios production. So I think what we can hopefully hope for is that Paul Rudd is going to kind of be shuttled into that uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe the same way they've kind of, you know, moved all mm-hmm. the other characters together. And then, you know, Kelsey, then you get to have, you know, Paul Rudd in all of the Marvel Cinematic movies. I can't imagine oh him God. not showing up in Avengers 3 at least. Right? Like that would just be glorious. Especially, I mean, Ant-Man's just, he's a founding member of the Avengers. So Mm -hmm. at that, I mean, after this movie, at that point, how could you not put him in? Like, then all the founding members would actually be on the team. Yeah, that would be rad. I would enjoy that very much. Yeah, no, I I could not agree more. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, moving on to, well, let's move away from Marvel for a second, because normally that's all we ever talk about. Um, it's but, so good there. Uh, They're so good to us. It's yeah, a happy place. <laughs> exactly. Well, don't worry. We're going to an even happier place because uh, earlier today uh, in San Francisco, uh, Image Comics hosted their Image Expo, um, which uh, combined a whole lot of wonderful comic creators and artists, authors, um, people that are just fantastic. Um, of course, we've done a whole lot of... Uh, rampant praising of image comics for like the last seven or whatever episodes of the show. Um, and they announced a whole bunch of new stuff. Uh, uh, they announced they're going to have some more, uh, pretty deadly, which is like a comic from, um, uh, Kelly Kelly Sue Sue DeConnick and Emma Rios, um, which is like this really awesome kind of, uh, I'd say it's almost like, uh, wild west mythology mixed with like, um, you know, like American Indian, uh, like Mexican mythology, um, mm-hmm. uh, old like Latin Latin American mythology, and it's all kind of jumbled around into this really cool, beautiful, um, beautifully illustrated book. Uh, and also, there's like, oh my god, I think on this announcement page, there's like ten to twelve comics that are just being announced. A couple I, yeah. of which are new, several of which are just like continuing things that are wonderful. They announced nineteen new comics today. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, honestly, I didn't – I forgot Image Expo was today, and I didn't get a chance to go through it until you sent us the list like five minutes before we started <laughs> the podcast. But like I'm just going through it, and I, I'm i just like freaking out because everything sounds so awesome. Um, I really wish I had like had a chance to go through the list a little – with like a little more detail. Uh, there's just – I mean there's like two new BKV books – Oh, that's the thing I think I'm the most excited for. Yeah, um, and then um, Chip, Zars- uh, Chip Zdarsky's book. And then also, though, I do have to say, there is a book coming out called Revengeance, which I fucking hate that word because it's not a <laughs> word. Like, Hideo Kojima made that word up for some bullshit Metal Gear spinoff. <laughs> and the fact that anyone is just like, yeah, no, I'm cool with that word. I'm like, going to use it. Sounds good. <laughs> And it's it's written by it's it's by Darwin Cook, who is a very talented artist, but um, he has his like niche, you know. And the main character's name is literally Joe Malarkey, mm. and I just don't know how That's seriously I can take that comic book. I just like it's a psychological thriller with darkly humorous overtones. 
Mm-hmm. I'll believe but, it when I see an image. But the one <laughs> Paper Girls. Uh, oh, my God. EKB, get at me. And yeah. and Cliff Chang from Wonder Woman. Yeah, Cliff Chang on the art, Brian K. Vaughn writing it. I, I love this tagline. Paper Girls is a story of four 12-year-old newspaper delivery girls who experience something extraordinary one day. That's it. Like, like know, I'm down. He just knows the way into my heart. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to say that. Like, it's just going to be so good. And then the one announced to Plutana, which basically is Stand By Me with superheroes. <laughs> Yeah, like, I just can't get more excited about these comic books. Have you guys seen the other? Like, it wasn't on that list, but there was another announcement for We Stand on Guard. Yeah, um, let's. See. Oh, it's, it's right. Also, it's on the very bottom of the list. Oh. Yeah, I think it's also yeah. BKB, isn't it? Um, yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah, so uh, We Stand so on Guard. So BKB. Be BKB. He's just yeah. busy. Well, actually, I think um, I think that's actually that's there's going to be another. No, never mind. I'm reading that wrong. Totally wrong. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Just ignore it. Whatever. Me. It's about time. Like he's like, um, hey guys, I'm gonna write this like amazing epic comic book and then not do anything for four fucking years, and you well, just I... have to sit there and reread that comic over and over <laughs> again. Well, I feel like these are all just what he's doing in his free time while he waits for Fiona Staples to finish drawing her beautiful, perfect artwork. Um, but I love the tagline for "We Stand on Guard." It's a heroic band of Canadian civilians turned freedom fighters who take up arms against a violent invasion of their country by a technologically superior nation, the U.S. <laughs> like, it's like the best version of uh, oh shit, what is that fucking movie? <laughs> Chris Pine? No, Chris Hemsworth was in it. It's a remake. Yeah. Red Dawn. It's like the best version of Red Dawn. <laughs> Do we fight Canada in that? I thought that was Russia, no? No, we Korea. fight North Korea, they invade us. But this <laughs> I don't is know. like this is like the story you want to know. Like when we invade Canada, what happens? <laughs> I'm hundred percent cool with that. I just love that the US is the baddies and Canadians are like, fuck yeah. It's <laughs> my favorite. Yeah. Um so also on there, uh Sana Takeda. Uh, she's like a writer and illustrator. She worked on uh, Ms. Marvel a bit before uh, like Kelly Sue uh, ended up getting on the book um, mm-hmm. when it was still when Ms. Marvel was still Carol Danvers, um, but she's got uh, oh my gosh she's uh, doing the art with uh, Marjorie Lou doing the words for uh, uh, adventure in 1900s Asia called Monstrous. In the early 1900s, where immense leviathans roamed the earth, wielding unimaginable powers that many have long desired to exploit. When a teenage girl with a mysterious past forms a tenuous psychic bond with the most dangerous of all the leviathans, she becomes the target of both human and other world authorities who will stop at nothing to possess her. Uh, yeah. Sign me the fuck up. It's like if Pacific Rim was good. Yeah, right? I swear, I, the thing that makes me so mad about that movie is it's just like, it was advertised as such like a international, like, collaborative, wonderful thing. And then it's just this like giant jerk off session for America. And it's like, man, come Honestly, on. I love that movie when the robots are just fighting monsters. Because that was like, cool, this is Power Rangers. Like, yeah. I'm going to watch a big ass, <laughs> high budget Power Rangers. And that was like, and that was like 15 minutes of the movie, right? Yeah, that was like the last 20 minutes of the movie, and everything else was like this psychological bullshit. It was like Ang Lee's Hulk all over again. But wasn't Idris Elba in it? Yeah, there was some good so... Idris Elba like <laughs> like monologuing. Um, but, I still haven't seen it, yeah. but I just know that he's beautiful and everything. So it, ha- it had like potential to be good, and the fight scenes were cool. And I really like Charlie Hunnam 
however you say the fucking mm. name. Um, I yeah, like I, I love Sons of Anarchy, and I even liked him in like Undeclared and stuff. But um, oh shit, I forgot that was a show. Yeah, <laughs> never forget. <laughs> um, I, I, I always I said it when I exited the theater after seeing Pacific Rim, but I would really love to see like the entire cut of that film. Cause like, I know it was like four hours long before they cut it all down. Like mm-hmm. you could have trimmed a bunch of the like quote unquote character development stuff that you guys passed off there in the first hour and like given us some more robot fighting. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And like he, he I mean, in that specific room too, cause it did really well internationally, not like super hot in America, um, but it did well overseas. So they announced the second one. And Del Toro already said that it's going to be, like, way more, like, just monster bashing. Oh, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Also, if you guys get a chance, check out the artwork. Um, well, there's a preview already for I Hate Fairyland, uh, which is mm-hmm. Scotty Young's new book. And it looks amazing, just in the oh. most, like, ridiculous sense possible. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. someone. She Sorry. literally blows up the moon with a rocket launcher, and the moon is, like... Um, anthropomorphic, so like its guts and brains are blowing out. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I saw an image of this, like, of part of this cover art, like with this girl with this giant fucking battle axe swung across <laughs> her shoulder. <laughs> oh, and it's man. like the premise is. Uh, Gertrude is a snarky, slightly deranged 40-year-old with a battle axe who happens to be trapped in a Shirley Temple-esque body and confined to the Technicolor fun world that is Fairyland. (laughs) And then randomly, it's like, perfect for fans of Invader of Zim and Fight Club, because those are two (laughs) things that go together. (laughs) They are now. Uh, Well, you know, I guess the snarky, salty 40-year-old girl trapped in a tiny little body sounds about right. Perfect for fans of peanut butter and cocaine. (laughs) Hey, man, peanut butter and cocaine are two really wonderful things, all right? Yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you about all the ways that I love those two things. Anyways. (laughs) Can I just say that one of my favorite things about Image, aside from the fact that they just do not give a fuck and will publish whatever they want to, is the fact that like a lot like most of these books that they announced today are all like female centric like they all star really badass fucking ladies so i'm super, even more amped and you're you were right andy this is my much happier place than marvel right now <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, also, just the comforting uh side scott of snyder book. is doing something with jeff lemire which i'm very excited about oh, Any yeah. Th- age yes. after yeah. death Anytime Scott Snyder does anything, I get pretty excited. But also, like, he just keeps teaming up with these really incredible, like, push the boundary artists. Like, when he did stuff with um, Sean Murphy. And now he's doing Jeff Lemire. And I just, and he did, he's doing Witches with Jock. Like, he's just, I don't know if he decides who the artist is going to be, but if he does, he's a goddamn genius. Yeah. I got to think that he's got a little bit of pull there. um, But, you know, it's definitely great. I mean, AD after death, uh, mm-hmm. set in a near future where death has been cured and one man must come to grips th- with what comes next. I fucking okay. love Jeff Lemire. Like, yeah. Sweet Tooth is so good. And the fact that he and Scott Snyder are going to be working together on this, like, it just gives me hope. Like, I think this entire roster is going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. This is, de- this is definitely good, good, wonderful news. Scott Snyder is just going to have, like, a ton of pull right now. <laughs> I would say, like, in the world of comics, he's top five, like, with just, like, 
I, his Batman run has been continually like praised for years now. Yeah, Scott Snyder is often mentioned when I talk to people about comics as like, oh, he's the one writer that I really love writing DC stuff right now. <laughs> he's the only writer writing good DC stuff right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, let's not sell, you know, Gail Simone short or Cameron Stewart. Uh, yeah, Gail Simone is like my everything. That's true. Really Can love. We just have Secret Six, like number two now. It's, I think it's <gasps> next week, right? Uh, is it? it is. Yeah, yeah I think it's Fuck. next week. I can't even wait anymore. Like, I keep on like, even though I know it's like every Wednesday, I'm like obsessively checking every day. Like, <laughs> but maybe they did it. <laughs> Oh man! I need more Secret Six. I just love it so much. Has Scott Snyder done ever done Marvel work, or is he exclusively like DC Image? Um, I can't remember. Let's Google it. All of us Google at the same time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyways, while you guys are googling, um, and we will shortly find out the status of Scott Snyder's uh, publication history. we also had something that is uh, happily history at this point, something that's all done and over with <laughs> that we no longer have to deal with. Well, I guess technically we do kind of have to deal with it. In the oh, aftermath. he did X-Men. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, how long ago was that X-Men run? Um, it was Nation X. Oh, he did one issue of that god-awful oh. fucking series. Oh. Well, <laughs> hey, Nation X, that's a god-awful thing that might be coming back, because as I mentioned before, uh, <laughs> Axis finally came to a close. Uh, Santa hey. brought us all a Christmas present where uh, on the 24th, Axis number 9 came out, and then it no longer had to be around anymore. Uh, and it was wonderful. You know, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even read it. Um, I read, like, the highlights. Or well, I don't know. What what do you call it when you're like, yeah, this shit happened. But it's not like a highlight. I don't it's know. It's like a um, recap, like the cliff yeah. notes of comics. <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. I mean, I mean, like, you know, so the cliff notes are that, you know, uh, uh, Red Skull is also has some Charles Xavier in there. They're, like, ready to protect him because all the villains are swapped and all the humans are swapped. And... Uh, all the heroes are swapped, I mean, <laughs> not humans. Uh, and, uh, and you know, there's, like, this huge giant disparity, uh, like, Carnage, like, you know, he's, like, a hero. So it's, like, Hobgoblin. They assemble all right. these, like, criminals. And Carnage killed, like, sacrificed himself, right? Yeah, he, like, uh, he, like, um, like, wraps himself around whatever, like, massive gene bomb, like, apocalypse is going to blow up or whatever. And, uh, and, you know, and he, like, sacrifices himself and he's, like, I'm a good guy now. Um, but in the end, they basically, you know, they get, finally get magic and science together and Dr. Doom and I think it ends up being Wanda. Um, they end up like, you know, manipulating the Red Skull's power and they flip everyone back except for Sabretooth, (laughs) Iron Man, Iron Man, Havoc, and there's one more person that ends up in the shield because uh, Iron Man's like, oh, I've prepared for this. And he, like, presses a button and he's got a magical, like, you know, space bubble that stops things or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to find out exactly who that fourth person is. Uh, but, yeah, it, it finally came to a close and everyone, like, went back to essentially being normal with the exception of those um, folks who were protected. And... Um, yeah, like the 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 human the not the flipped heroes and the flipped villains. Like the villains, like recorded something that said that 
um, you know, they didn't need to like that. They they were behind it all along, and you know, to essentially exonerate the humans after all the heroes after all this. Why do I keep saying humans? God, uh, I'm terrible. <laughs> I I kind of like um, I'm okay with like Sabretooth being a good guy because I was a really big fan of Exiles mm-hmm. uh, in like the late '90s, early 2000s when Chris Claremont did that and Sabretooth. Like Age of Apocalypse, Sabretooth became part of that team, and he was a good guy, and I always liked him like as that character. Um, and I also think keeping Tony bad for now, at least, is a good decision because that was probably one of the only actual interesting things about Access to begin <laughs> with. Uh, but like, I don't know, like to like, how many issues of this shit do we have to read, and we're left with pretty much just like no. a little bit of repercussion. Yeah, I mean, so uh, so I was totally wrong. There were really just the three. It's just uh, Sabretooth, Havoc, and Iron Man who end up being shielded from the, you know, changing back ways or whatever, uh, which is, you know, meh. Wait, so so it's it's Sabretooth, Iron Man, and who? And uh, Havoc. Havoc. Alex so Summers. Havoc's still bad? Yeah, he's still bad. Who gives um, a shit about having? And there's like it was well, the in, entire Summers family is just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. In, in one of the, I don't think. Yeah, in the in like the epilogue, um, they basically show uh, Havoc like slipping back in with, um, like Summers, like Scott Summers, and the uh, and like his group of X Men. So the thought is now that probably what's going to happen is. Uh, Summer's brothers are going to open up the all-inclusive Mutant Nation X again, and that's going to kick Wonderful. things off and lead us down into Secret Wars whenever they I know that stuff. that they announced a new Avengers series, though, since, like, Havoc's gone, the Unity Squad basically has to be rebuilt, mm-hmm. and Brother Voodoo is in it, and anytime Brother Voodoo shows up in anything, I'm super down with it, because he's <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah, Brother Voodoo is the one that they bring back. Actually, it wasn't. It was like Wanda, Doom, and Brother Voodoo who like all like work together. Oh yeah, because they to, make like, his like it. brother fight Wanda, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, uh, I mean, you know, most of all, I'm really happy that it's over. I think, you know, <laughs> <laughs> overall, we did get like some kind of cool stuff out of it. Like, um, the Hobgoblin run was pretty interesting. The Carnage run was like kind of like grading at times but at the same time i was kind of like you know carnage is like a anti-hero kind of guy it's kind of like crazy enough that it's kind of fun um i don't know it was it wasn't the absolute worst comic event in recent history (laughs) it just seems like so much of it is completely like there's just like no fallout other than those three characters like the hobgoblin series existed and carnage existed and like those miniseries told almost no story that has any sort of impact on the Marvel universe at all. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think some of it is, um, I think we kind of mentioned this a while ago when we were talking about, um, Hickman's new Avengers and how his new Avengers book is like eight months ahead of the current continuity Mm -hmm. and they're all going to like catch up to it. And when it, you know, it all ends in whenever it is, um, and I think they kind of wrote themselves into a corner and they kind of had to end up having kind of this empty feeling thing going on at the end. Right. Um, that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, you know, I was pretty disappointed altogether, but 
I mean, at least they didn't, you know, do anything crazy like kill someone off important or something like that. Yeah, did anyone die? I don't think anyone died this time around. No. That's rare. Oh, oh, the okay, so the big the big revelation, see, since we were off so long, I didn't even think about this, but the big revelation <laughs> at one point was one of the other um uh kind of like side effects of this whole Axis thing was at one point Wanda is like all flipped and she try she basically tells like uh Quicksilver and Magneto that She's like, fuck you, dad, and fuck you, Pietro. You guys are both assholes, and I'm going to kill you both. And basically, uh, she realizes, like, they realize that apparently they're not Magneto's kids. Oh, not this again. Yeah, and apparently they may be uh, inhumans, I think, is, like, the interpretation that I read. Yeah. Oh, so what they're trying to shoehorn that bullshit in for fucking Avengers? Is that what they're doing? <laughs> yeah, that's what it fucking yeah, sounds like to no, me. I think so, like, so. Marvel's like, oh well, we can't have mutants, so we got to explain this somehow. He has hit Ryan's angry button. Oh my god, are you? Fu- yeah, let's go ahead and just piss <laughs> off like eight fucking generations of comic book fans to make it so that the people who are watching the new Avengers movie can have a more accessible link to two bullshit minor characters in the Marvel universe. Can I just stop that's you a for wonderful a idea. Did you say eight generations? Because I feel like that's overstating it. Eight decades. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, that's a long time, man. <laughs> Giving Stan Lee a lot of credit there. He lives forever. He's never going to die. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, but that's (laughs) upsetting to me, like more upsetting. Like there's little things that bother me when I like, when I read the new Ant-Man, I'm like, wow, his costume sure looks a lot like, you know, Paul Rudd's in the new movie, but I'm just like, whatever, you know, or like when they changed Hawkeye's costume, cause I love Hawkeye's old costume. Mm -hmm. Um, but when they're like, yeah, they're not even mutants anymore. They're, they're just going to be in humans. And also when they did the original, oh, they're Magneto's kids. They already did this storyline. We're like, just kidding. No, they're not. Just kidding. Yes, they are again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, it looks like uh, actually it was not uh, Wanda. It was Enchantress who did this to them. Uh, yeah, it looks like Enchantress got really angry at them and then talked to them who, for a while. I don't care who did it. Who wrote this fucking comic book? Uh, this comic book happens to be written by uh, our good friend Rick Remender. Oh, you motherfucker. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so, I mean, like, I'm sure fucking, is Joe Cusada still fucking editor at Marvel? Uh, let's see. Uh, editor here. Uh, no, Joe Cusada. Oh, wait. Chief creative officer. <laughs> oh, cool. So I'm sure Joe Cusada is sitting out there in his fucking ivory tower, and he's looking through his book of fucking bullshit past decisions. And he's like, man, remember that time that Spider-Man picked Aunt May over Mary Jane, and I killed Captain America. Let's do some horse shit like that again. <laughs> I just got like this great mental picture of him sitting in an ivory tower, just looking really sad, like with Apple like earphones in, just like "fuck you, Ryan." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I was wrong again. It totally was Scarlet Witch, not Enchantress. God damn! Oh, why do their Andy? So why do their bad. costumes have to look so similar? Scarlet Witch is just pink, <laughs> and Enchantress is green. Like. And she's can't a brunette, just, and she's a blonde. Can't we just make the cowl a little bit different, too? But it's exactly the same. I'm so upset right now. Like, oh my god. I feel like a bad person, because every time you get angry about something like this, like, it just fills me with joy. Like, there's so much, and, like, I like to, I'm a very, like, progressive nerd. 
like when they do stuff in like the TV or in the movies and, and people are like, well, that's not how it was in the comics. I'm like, well, you got to take some liberties, man. You know, like I understand why Hawkeye's costume isn't like a fucking purple mask in the movies because he looks ridiculous. Like, you, <laughs> well, you don't want him in like purple dragon scale and yeah. like a pointy cow. Jeremy Reiner looked at it. And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like I understand they're like, we have to make it look more like he's, you know, an actual spy, not a goddamn circus performer. Um, like, and those are the things that like, as a nerd i'm just like i'm cool with that even just like if we go to literature like people are like man they cut so much out of harry potter yeah that book's fucking 900 pages you're not fitting that into a fucking two and a half hour movie like stop stop it you're being ridiculous (laughs) but like when they do shit like this it just oh man i can't i can't do it i can't handle it i want where's joe casada gonna be next like what con because i'm gonna go and I'm going to go to jail because I'm going to assault him. <laughs> in his thought space. Brian's just thinking about what he's going to think about doing. Put it on your vision board yeah, exactly. and I'm sure you can make it happen. Visualize your success. <laughs> like everything you told me about the end of Access. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Not a big deal. And then you told me that and I'm like, cool. Let's make it so that we just completely pander to our cinematic universe now. Uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a terrible storyline, uh, and that concludes this week's episode of Ryan's Rant Corner. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, as Axis comes to a close, we actually have um, kind of what is the beginning portion of something we already really ranted and raved about being wonderful is um, uh, issue number two of uh, Images release of uh, Matt Fraction. And Christian Ward giving us ODC or ODY dash C. Uh, we spoke about this before. Uh, it's a gender swapped uh, story of Odyssea as opposed to Odysseus, and it's in space instead of ancient Greece um, to market improvements. Uh, also, Matt Fraction's writing it, so still on the A fence. Plus plus. Still on the still fence. fence. Did you? Ryan, when you were like in school and stuff like that, did you read the Odyssey? Oh yeah, and like, did you like, did you enjoy it, or were you one of those people who was just kind of like, huh? Oh no, I loved the Odyssey because in fourth grade, I sat in the library every goddamn recess <laughs> and nerd books about Greek mythology. Yeah, I was a big old Greek mythology nerd. And then when they made Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, I was like, this is awesome. This is like the, the coolest retelling of the Odyssey I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and then I. I mean, I love Christian Ward's art. I was a huge fan of Infinite Vacation too, um, and of course, I love Fraction. But there's, I like I said, like I think it's just something I need to read, like from start to finish in one sitting. Mm-hmm. I don't, I oh, don't think for I can, sure is. No, yeah, like it's just not something I can take monthly. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I definitely get you there because it's really, it really is kind of super like dense in terms. Yeah. It almost feels like literature when you're reading it. It is so heavy. And it's a little hard sometimes to, like, finish the comic and be like, I only get 27 pages of this? Like, come on. Like, And then it's like, the... oh, you read it and you're like, oh, I need to go back and read the first issue again. Yeah. Like, and then read it through. And then read issue two. Yeah. Like, I mean, one of the, when I've talked to other people about this, like, at work and stuff like that, like, a lot of people I know are like, I tried to read it. I just did not understand what was happening like because like the verse is just so fucking like heavy sometimes and like there's moments like i'm a huge like lit like lit major everything like that like there's moments i'm just like damn fraction like chill 
but like some of it's just written so fucking perfectly and like in issue two you get to meet like their interpretation of like the lotus eaters from the odyssey and it's by far the fucking coolest thing i have seen in a very long time like i can't even put like a time frame on it like it was just so fucking beautiful like i screenshotted so many pages because i just i can't stop looking at them like they're beautifully drawn like and the story actually got to a point where i can be like oh okay i see where they're going and like that just inclusion of it and watching that interpretation of it like unfold over the pages was just fucking I don't know. For me, I thought that was fucking, like, transformative. Like, I love it. Like, I would definitely prefer to read this in, like, trade form, but I am a masochist, and with this and with Saga, I will just be punishing myself, like, as waiting for the next one to come out. I just want, like, when it when it's all said and done, remember in high school when you had to read Shakespeare and, like, one page was Shakespeare and the other page was, like, a translation of Shakespeare because, <laughs> yeah. like, all the idiots in high school didn't know, like, what medieval words were don't um, call them idiots they're like tweens <laughs> they don't iambic know pentameter what does that mean but like i would that's love why for they're them... in high school exactly i would love for them just to put out like a, a big hardcover edition where one page is just like a page of the comic and the other page is just like that part of the odyssey like yeah, i don't need a translation like... just like the actual part of the odyssey that that page is representing yeah, that would be pretty rad. Yeah, but... I, mean, I think it, we've really, Kelsey, you kind of hit on it. We've kind of like started to really pull back like the curtain on the book. And anyone who's like super familiar with Odyssey can kind of, like you said, see where it's going. Um, so, you know, it, it, I'm just, I'm going to keep reading it. Like, yeah. I haven't picked up issue two yet from, from my comic shop, but like, oh, I'm going to do that tomorrow because tomorrow's my day off. So, <laughs> like, let me just say, like, um, and, like, issue one, like, uh, like I thought the art was beautiful. I thought the verse was really interesting. But like I said, it's so heavy and it's really dense and it's hard for people who aren't, like, crazy, like, scholars of the Odyssey to really follow, like, what's going on. But the second one kind of gave, like, a lot of clarity, I feel. And, like, there's a whole entire, like, a lot of it, like... I don't know how to be like articulate about this because I'm just so excited about it. I just want everybody to like it. So I want to say the right thing. Well, I think it's like, <laughs> I think part of it is, you know, the, the setting itself, right? right. Uh, a retelling of the Odyssey in space with a gender swapped hero is something that like, gender I don't think everybody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is something that I don't think is um, something that everyone was ready for. You know, like if you pick up like a Spider-Man comic, you're like, okay, it's Peter Parker and or Miles Morales. And, They've got spider powers and, you know, uh, great power, great responsibility. Like, that's really all you need for, yeah. like, the introduction. But if you're going to be, um, you know, telling Odyssey's story, uh, then I think it kind of needs a giant expedition dump at the front. And Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, I, I mean, maybe, maybe the thing is, is, like, after issue three, that's when you really want to get people reading it because you've got, like, a little bit more to get people hooked in and a little bit more story. Um but I couldn't blame you for reading it now either. Yeah, like, maybe it's just me too, but, like, Christian Ward, man, like, I feel like he deserves, like, everything for this. Like, just, like, the way, like, his interpretation of, like, female Zeus and female Poseidon fucking knock me out every time, especially, like, the full, like, splash page where they're talking about how um, Zeus, elim or Lady Zeus, whose name is still Zeus, um, eliminated all the men from society. Like, <laughs> that page is fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous, and I even like uh, which page is this? 
um, page seven of the issue, um, she's talking about um, her exiled daughter, Nyx, and how she created, like, an s- entirely separate gender, the Sebex. And, like, the center, the image in the center of this that Christian Ward drew is so fucking beautiful. Like, I screenshotted it because I wanted to get it tattooed on my body. <laughs> his, his his page layouts are outstanding. And it's 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 kind of, uh, like, page layouts is something in comic books that doesn't get recognized a lot anymore. It was something that was, like, very revolutionary when, like, Steve Ditko um, and, uh, well, like, Steve Ditko is, like, the really big one. And those guys like in the 70s who started experimenting with just like realizing that they're telling a story through the page like you don't need the simple like four or six box like layout on a comic book page um and they really started like doing some like really cool interesting stuff and it's not something that gets applauded anymore like i mean christian wards art all the time is like oh yeah christian wards are a artist but it's something that people overlook a lot is that page layout makes a huge difference uh, like a huge difference in just the even just how the story is told in a comic book, and his layout is fucking amazing. Yeah, especially uh, in like where it starts, like page eleven, where they're going down the levels of like um the uh like the circles of hell and shit. Like his interpretations and the layout of them is fucking mind blowing. Like, it's just this visceral, like, in-your-fucking-face, like, weird drawing versions of, like, all these different, like, levels that they pass. Like, the lust one is just, like, a circle of tits with, like, a mouth in the middle and just women, like, scissoring each other. And, and like, every single piece of this is so fucking good. In a weird way, he really actually reminds me of, like, a modern-day Steve Ditko. If you go back and, like, look at Ditko's layouts, it's all this weird because he was doing like all the series that no one else really wanted to touch dr strange and um i think he did a lot of the adam warlock stuff um and he was doing like the question over at um uh fucking dc i want to say he was doing like the question and he was it's like really weird psychedelic super 70s like mm-hmm. stuff, and it looks very similar to w- what Ward does with Odyssey. Yeah, I, mean, I gotta say that I think Image in general is really good about, you know, maybe it's just the artists that they pull on, but the page layouts really do stand out as a bit more like adventurous, maybe, than what we see in the other publications. Oh, for sure. Like, can I just read you, like, this one panel that I screenshotted because I love it? Do it, do it, it do it. It's literally just. Later, Odysseus' bride bed grows cold as she watches Wee Zylot becoming a star, glistening bright in the velvet of space, floating there frozen forevermore. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, you don't get that shit in DC. Like, that is straight image. <laughs> like, you uh, just don't get that shit in comics nowadays, I know, Matt really. Fraction, you are a national treasure. Don't ever leave me. Like, I, <laughs> I can't. Like, I almost, like... I don't want to say I cried because I definitely didn't, but like I had like a catch in my breath when I read that. I was like, oh my God. Like every single one of my like fellow like English majors at school, I'm like, have you read Odyssey yet? Have you read Odyssey? They're like, fuck you, I don't read comics. I'm like, okay, no, fuck you, start. Like, like I read literature, thank you. You're like, oh, cool, God. this is literature, so <laughs> stop being a prick. Oh man. <laughs> speaking of speaking of uh, House Diffraction being wonderful, they got a uh, like two to three page spread in this week's Entertainment Weekly. Oh, hell yeah um, if you guys are, if anyone's interested yeah. in picking that up 
of course, it's got a picture of the two adorable individuals themselves. I don't know if I don't know if their adorable children show up, but talk to them like... about their comics and everything. And it's as usual, every, as everything diffraction, it's wonderful and should be consumed by everyone. So there's a comic too. I actually um, we didn't get to talk about it because we had a brief hiatus there, and we skipped over it. But it's another Image comic, and just another reason that I love Image so much because, like we're saying. It's just such a crazy, like the writing on Odyssey is so above and beyond what you're used to seeing in uh, not just comic books as a medium, but like books in general. Um, (laughs) But another reason I just love Image is because they have a comic right now called Rumble uh, by John Arcudi and James Heron. And it's the exact opposite where there's like almost no writing (laughs) and it's just this badass story about a, a scarecrow warrior god who comes back to light or who like comes to earth with a giant sword and just beats the shit out of people. (laughs) And it's so like the art is, the art carries the book really. uh, Cause it, it just looks like amazing. And it's like this like gritty kind of like cartoony scarecrow God. That's just such a weird thing to even think of. Um, But it's just like a very, um, I don't know. I, I, I really liked the first issue uh, and that's a title we didn't get to talk about. So I wanted to throw it out there while I remember. Yeah, no, no. Sure, uh, sure. And actually, uh, I want to say, yeah, it looks like just before the end of last year, uh, um, uh, James Heron, the guy who does the art on the book, also put out uh, an image for like uh, cover number two. And it's got like the main character like soaring through the air with like his sword and everything. God, it looks just... I don't know. It, it looks fantastic. So that uh, was like the main like art piece that attracted me to the title. Um, it's hard to capture action like that. I think as an artist, and he just nails it. And the whole comics like that, and it's just very like brutal, fast paced, uh, like bloody action. And it's nice to get that. It's kind of like why I watch the Fast and the Furious movies. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. Do I want to watch a, mov- a movie like The Imitation Game or Birdman? Yes. But do I like to turn off my brain every once in a while and just like watch a Fast and the Furious movie? Yes, I do. I will also say that Fast and the Furious has quickly become uh, like kind of groundbreaking in the filmmaking world in that it now has an Asian-American director who's directed the last three films and you could arguably say that the film is more about the people of color who make up the rest of the crew and that uh, Paul Walker at the time, before he passed away, was much more of kind of like a background character, almost reverse of what like a traditional action movie would be. So it's basically like the movie franchise version of Orange is the New Black. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, and the thing is, is Ryan's right. Hold like on the two guys and a girl when yeah. you hear us compare <laughs> Fast and the Furious to Orange is the New Black. It's certainly nowhere near as good as uh, Orange is the New Black. But, you know, like Ryan said, Preach. they're a good action movie. You know, like like you're, you can expect at least two to three sequences that are going to have you on the edge of your seat. You can expect at least two to three exchanges of lines that you're like, did someone actually write that down on the page? (laughs) And, you know, you're also going to see a shirtless Paul Walker, Tyrese Gibson, Vin Diesel, scantily clothed Michelle Rodriguez. So, you know, there's something for everyone, right? How come we never see Ludacris without a shirt on? Luda. I don't, I honestly, when you listed that entire thing of names, I was like, I don't want to see any of those people. (laughs) I could totally go without it. It's (laughs) not for everyone, but. (laughs) I'm still super, I still have like this weird, like, 
I want to say irrational because I know better hatred for Michelle Rodriguez only because I hated Ana Lucia from Lost so much. Like, it just carries over into everything. <laughs> just, like, can't let go of it. I can't. So like, it happened. It's over. It's been done for, like, a decade. I can't move on. <laughs> it's oh, the cross I bear, gosh. I guess. It's fine. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, anyways, uh, another image comic that we kind of missed over in the in-between during our little short hiatus uh, came out on uh, Christmas Eve, written by Eric Stevenson, art by, I er uh, sorry, not Eric, God, art by Simon Gain. Uh, and it is uh, same guy, Eric Stevenson wrote Nowhere Men, which we talked about in the past, uh, but it's called They're Not Like Us. And uh, there's only one issue out so far, but it's kind of, uh, I heard someone do it as like calling it uh, like secret agent X-Men, but I, I almost <laughs> don't think that that's necessarily where it is, but it's definitely kind of cryptic. Um, it's got it, some... It definitely has that X-Men feel to it. For yeah. sure. Uh, but it, it's it's great. Oh, the art looks just fantastic. I don't know. I'm, I've, I really enjoyed reading it. Uh today before it, we got on the cast and stuff so the art reminds me a lot of um steve dylan kind of uh yeah he did, actually he did, he did preacher it's like kind of like a little more cartoony than that mm -hmm. i mean steve dylan's art's pretty cartoony to be like it's definitely not realistic i want to say it's cartoony either but um it, it, it definitely like gave me that feel uh i read it right before we started the podcast and it gave me a huge X-Men vibe. Yeah. Because they're like at a giant mansion with all these kids who have superpowers. And they have the most bitchin' record collection. <laughs> yeah. It's basically yeah. like if, uh, what if the X-Men had been written now instead of like starting in the 60s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely a much more kind of like modernist take on what a group of people who had like, you know, ridiculous superpowers, um, could end up doing, uh, it, it it definitely looks fantastic, and you guys are kind of right on those on those similarities. I was trying to look up to see like uh, what else I could find for Simon Gain, but um, he hasn't really done much. Yeah, he's kind of just starting to be, to begin to come up. He's got some he's got some like uh, some like prints and stuff that he's done, and he's done some illustration. But he kind of has, I'd say, styles like maybe like a little bit like whimsical. Like it's not ridiculous i don't know all i know is i just found an amazing picture of si fucking serge gainsburg by uh by simon gain and it's making me very happy uh um because <clears throat> crazy drug addled 70s musicians are my jam uh but at any rate uh it's definitely worth a look uh like i said just the first issue and um i don't know we all enjoyed it so hopefully you will too um, one thing I didn't understand though, like this is just like a weird like thing that I'm picking up on because I just like reread it again, like <laughs> while you were talking, is um, like when they introduce like the whole like cast of characters and everything like that, like the other like nine, um, I almost called them mutants right now. Oh my god, <laughs> um, I don't know what they want to call them yet. Like as a the giant nine non-mutants. Yeah. So when they the nine just... inhumans. Fuck you, Marvel. <laughs> when they what if they're like, unhumans? These, when they introduce, like, this very diverse group of folks. Um, and here, like, one of the guys is a, um, what the fuck did he call it? A technopath? So it's, like, telepathy, but it only works with computers. And then, like, towards the end, he's like, 
And our one rule is we can't do anything with computers. Like, so how <laughs> useless are you on the team? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, also, talk, like, most of the time, Technopaths can talk to any technology. Yeah. And actually, I think we, you know, we've had a couple other Technopaths in, uh, in some other universes. I know there's a Technopath. Hey, we have Firefly. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, and I know there's a technopath in uh, the current run of uh, X Men with in uh, Scott's team. He's got I'm pretty a, sure a kid Forge, technopath there too. Forge or or Cable are or were techno. I think Forge is. I don't think Cable me. is though. I That's think not. he was at one point because Cable's had like a rotating cast of powers, um, and then the drummer from. Uh, that Warren Ellis series. Shit, what was it called? Planetary. He was Technopath. Mm. Also, side note, like, as much as I dig this art style and everything like that, like, the only other thing I want to, like, call out is, like, I, like, this is such a weird nitpicky thing that does not matter to anybody on any scale, but I have, like, this really weird, like... I don't know. I get really irritated whenever somebody either in a movie or on a TV show or in a comic book is in like a hospital gown, but their ass never shows. I'm like, this isn't real. <laughs> like, how dare you? Like, you did not get the only hospital robe in the planet that covers your fucking business and it's not embarrassing. Like, I don't know. That's such a weird thing to be mad about. But like this girl, Sid, is being like paraded around throughout like fights in the hospital and like into this new giant mansion and being introduced to all these new people and like literally just stay shut the whole time like yeah there's no way that those that those uh, drawstrings are long enough to go around yeah although you, granted i'm also like saying like that couldn't be real life in a thing where there's like nine telepaths like sitting <laughs> in a ma- giant mansion so yeah. like i realize i'm being shitty here but i don't know this just always really bothers me <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's definitely i mean it, it's just an interesting concept and it's image right so yeah so we're definitely gonna read so it we'll, forever we'll give it a shot yeah <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what it's like when we get to like issue number three, and we can make a full on. Yeah, uh, image hasn't really broken our hearts yet, so we're good. Yeah, I mean, Um, the the only thing is that like you know they don't release the comics that I want every single week. I understand. I I read also. Let's see. I read Ant Man this week. Okay. Uh, I have not read that one. Nick Spencer. Yeah, Nick Spencer started Ant Man, of course, because the movie's coming out and. Um, superior foes ended, and he was moving on. Like you know, had to move on to another comic. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely like a setup issue. There's a lot of like <laughs> exposition. You know, like basically, uh, Scott Lang goes in to interview for a job, so he's telling you his whole backstory, which is for the new readers who are just like, who the fuck is this Ant Man? Why are there four Ant Mans? <laughs> um, but Nick Spencer handles it brilliantly. Of course, it's there's a really funny part where. Like the interviewer is like, why is this part blank? And he's like, well, I was dead. Um, <laughs> and then you find out he's ha- um, interviewing to be head of security for Tony Stark. Oh. Uh, yeah, so he like uh, – there's like a lot of interactions with Tony and then he ends up getting hired and leaving the job on the day he's supposed to be there. Like the day he that Tony's going to announce he's the new head of security. So basically the end of the issue ends with him moving to Miami and Tony's pissed and, like, is going to track him down. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah. Angry Tony. Yeah. yeah. Don't uh, get enough of that. There's some cool interactions. They use some, like, really obscure characters that um, were all in books that, like, just got canceled. So since Aww. Nick Spencer wrote it, of course, Lady Beetle from Superior Foes shows up. 
um, Prodigy from he's an X Men character shows up, and then Victor Mancha from like uh, Avengers AI. They all show up in the book. And I am a sucker for C-list characters, as everyone who listens to this should know by now. Yeah, um, that's truth. So as soon as Scott Lang walks into a room to get interviewed along with those other C-list characters, I can't help <laughs> uh, but loving it. <laughs> yep, those are my friends again, breaking into the room. They're so funny. Uh, I, yeah, no, I gotta say, like... It was very nice to see the small touches in Ant-Man. Because, um, you know, as much as Scott Lang, Ant-Man really is, you know, a founding member of the Avengers, to some degree... Whoa, nope. He's also... Scott Lang's not... I mean, I mean Ant-Man, not, not oh, okay. necessarily oh, okay. Scott Lang. You know, I, um, I, sorry, I went super nerd. No, no. <laughs> I, I corrected myself because I caught myself out with there. I was like, Scott I was Lang's like, Andy, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, but even though, like, Ant-Man is a founding Avenger, he's always kind of been a little bit of uh, kind of like a comic relief, kind of like joke kind of character, uh, especially in, like, recent, uh, like, Marvel history, you know? He's and... Marvel's Aquaman. Yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's very it's true. Not a, it's not you're not wrong yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah so it's definitely worth a look if you guys are interested uh just started so you know nick spencer he's had a good run of of comics recently that i've been pretty happy with so i don't think you can do much worse there uh the last thing that i had on here that i want to talk about was none other than uh the unbeatable squirrel girl uh <laughs> which uh just came out uh they restarted it up came out today or yesterday i guess um we've got Ryan North writing i think it's Erica Henderson doing the art um there's also a Scotty Young variant cover if that's your jam uh it's basically establishing uh Doreen Green she's going to college as a freshman and uh trying to totally not be squirrel girl. Uh it's very tongue tongue in cheek. Uh she like openly has conversations with Tippy Toe like while she's like carrying a box of all her stuff or whatever. Uh I don't know. I just thought it was a really lighthearted comic and uh I love everything squirrel girl. So um I I liked it and um Ryan North did uh dr mcninja which i thought was of course fucking hilarious uh i hate the art on it It, it's it's too like it's too like cartoony and it's too like yeah not even that because i can do cartoony wacky like i really like scotty young like it's too like my little pony Mm. yeah i can i mean i can i can see the i can see your your complaint i mean it's definitely like goofy cutie kind of like art style i don't know like the opening four pages she's like singing her own theme song as she beats up criminals i don't know uh just i i definitely liked um like i love the deadpool like villain trading cards and i love that craven shows up Uh, i just couldn't i don't know the art was just too like whimsical for me i don't know yeah i mean i get it i think it kind of fits because it's Squirrel Girl, but, you know. It definitely fits, yeah, because Squirrel Girl is like – I can understand, like, why that decision was made. Uh, it just, like – I don't know. I felt like that issue should have been given to me in black and white so I could color it in. I don't know. <laughs> the squ- unbeatable Squirrel Girl coloring book. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, like, what it should have been, and I would have been cool with that, too. Face, man. Oh, man. Yeah, so, I mean, I went – 
revealed yeah. that to you. So no, I mean, I think I the, the tone. You know, you hit it on the the like Deadpool like trading card that has like the guide to Craven is pretty great, and then uh, like. She beats Craven by like talking to him and convincing him that there's more dangerous game. <laughs> <laughs> like not like actually physically beating him or anything. Uh, I don't know. It, it has some potential, you know. Yeah, we'll, no, it definitely we'll does. Like it definitely has that. I don't know, kind of like Deadpool feel, where it's just like kind of takes place outside the normal Marvel universe and a little more wacky things can happen. Yeah. And especially coming off, like coming off something like Axis where like, you know, we, we talked about it for the last few episodes where it was like, we felt like they were just like shoehorning characters in so they can be like, guess what guys, it's part of Axis. It's nice to have a comic that really like just doesn't care about anything else going on in the Marvel universe. <laughs> and it's just like, this is Doreen Green. She's squirrel girl. Yeah, she don't give a fuck. Yeah. She'd be also- Dr. Doom once, you know, uh, well, it was a Doombot, Andy. Come of on. Of course, yeah. I know. You know, anytime Doctor Doom gets defeated, you know, it's a Doombot, Doom yeah. or it's a Doom from the future or the past. Of course, um, I just want to hire like a group of like high school jocks to stand behind Ryan, and so I can push a button, and every time he like jumps in and gets angry, nerd, I can they can just yell nerd like in his face. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my brother has like a like a standby just like youtube clip of someone yelling that and he posts it every time i do anything nerdy <laughs> anyways sorry i was gonna say too i so i read i mean i read all the comics for the week um x-men uh g willow wilson took over writing duties yes um on the like female centric x-men uh sorry. it was a pretty good issue it's hard to jump into something that's like 20 issues in and really you know like make it your own but she's definitely trying um She's kind of like rebuilding the characters. Gambit shows up in it. Beast shows up in it. Um, and like the character M uh, is a, a larger part of it, which is cool because she doesn't show up a lot in like the X-verse. Um, so I thought that was like an important... It's nice to see that like they're recognizing that she's a talented writer, so they're giving her more to do than just Miss Marvel. Yeah, no, and I think it's nice to see her... I wouldn't say like really like step out of her element, but like kind of step into something that, you know, already has a really defined like characteristic about it and still kind of hit it out of the park with her writing and stuff. Yeah. With Miss Marvel, she kind of had like free reign to kind of do whatever she wanted really. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. She seems to have kind of picked up the nice tone of like all the characters and stuff. Like even like someone like Rachel Gray, who's like, you know, a whole nother conversation of a character in herself. Um, Like she seems to pick her up right where she should and it, the the ladies of the x-men really do play well together like i, I kind of like that it's a girl power x-men that's going on right now shit yeah <laughs> yeah no it's nice especially because there's so many x books out and like you kind of need that like defining factor to even make you give a shit about the x books so you're like oh yeah this is the one with all the ladies and like gambit shows up as a guest star every once in a while i can live with this um Sign and then up. the other one oh spider-man so spider-verse still isn't over and while I am a big fan of seeing all the different Spider-Men and like variations of the villains in different universes, they went ahead and officially jumped the shark. Spoiler alert: Uncle Ben showed up this issue. What? Woo! They jumped to a universe where Uncle Ben is still alive, and I hate everything. <laughs> oh! Why oh, would you ever do that? Like. Growing up, there was, like, two rules in comic books, and it was that Uncle Ben stays dead and Bucky (laughs) stays dead. And then Marvel destroyed one of those rules. But I was like, you know what? I'm cool with it because Bucky's actually a total badass now. 
there's you're never gonna bring Uncle Ben back and be like, man, Uncle Ben's pretty cool. I'm glad he's back. Like, I I don't know. Aunt May's married to like J. Jonah Jameson's husband. There's no reason to bring Uncle Uncle Ben has or to J. Jonah Jameson's dad. Like, there is no reason to to bring <laughs> like Uncle phrase, Ben back. I like that statement a lot better when it was J. Jonah Jameson's husband. Though. Yeah, I know. Really great. <laughs> Closet like, J. Jonah Jameson would have been a fantastic in a narrative. Uh... They're in a triple marriage. Um, <laughs> it's a love triangle. <laughs> but like Uncle Ben existed solely to teach Peter Parker a lesson while he was dying. There are no more lessons to teach, old man. Stay out of my fucking comic books. Well, I, I just think it's also, it's such a brilliant, like, narrative choice that it's like the one thing that will always haunt Peter and will always keep him, you know, fighting for what's important is the memory that he let, you know, he could have helped and he didn't and he has to live with that. And it's, it's bringing such him a back great... is, yeah, it's such a fucking lazy writing thing. And I... Yeah, and, like, it's such a great, like, I mean, because it's a very iconic moment when Bruce Wayne's parents dies, cause, like, die, because that's what pushes him on the path to be a hero. Um, and, like, Marvel, you know, saw that and one-upped it and was like, you know what, we're, we're going to have someone who's already super powered like he's already this like amazing individual and it was his ignorance that like caused this thing to happen and that's what drives him to be a hero and like that it may, like the death of of Ben Parker is way more impactful than the death of like the Wayne parents no yeah. matter how much backstory you give to them that actually reminds me a lot of like one of the Doctor Who story arcs from last season, whichever the last one with Matt Smith was. I think like season or eight, seven. I don't know, but um, the episode where it's him, John Hurt, and um, David Tennant, and they all are in the same episode together. And there's like some weird like time warp thing, and John Hurt has the power to like undo like basically like the destruction of like Gallifrey and like the planet that he's from and everything like that. But a whole lot of people like came down on the writing for that one. Cause they're like, that's what made him the doctor. Like that's why he's the way he is. And that's why all this stuff has been happening for all these years. And you're just taking away everything and like restarting it. Like that's exactly what this sounds like to me. I mean, we'll see what happens. Cause it is like alternate universe Ben, but I, I don't know. I really hope, I really, really hope that Peter's not like, I'm going to bring it back to our universe, Uncle Ben. <laughs> you can live forever. Yeah, and then we get, like, really <laughs> awful storylines about Aunt May having to choose between Uncle Ben and... Oh, my God. If they, Oh, my God. That would be the best. <laughs> no, that would be the worst. That would literally turn Spider-Man into, like, an 80s soap opera. Um, that's why it would be the best. It would be like a telenovela. <laughs> if they just got the copy in Spanish, this would be everything to me. <laughs> I'd, like... And, like... I'm like, they would never do that. And then I read stuff like, they're like, oh, Quicksilver's an inhuman now. And I'm like, no, it's going to happen. <laughs> Your friends are like, God, is he done nerding yet? <laughs> hear you shouting randomly in the other room. Um, So I think we're pretty much done. But before we like actually leave, can I just remind everybody that Game of Thrones Season 5 starts on April 12th. And Don't talk about anything. I think we're not- 94. Two days away. Ninety-three, uh, something so like that. Ninety-two days. Yeah. Andy uh, and I are waiting 
<laughs> on the edge of our chairs. I was gonna say I'm patiently, going... but I'm totally nope. not waiting patiently nope. at all. I'm going to catch up to you guys by the time it starts. I've finished book three, which is the one that the uh. on the the consensus online is pretty much that's when the show starts like yeah. really <laughs> taking a drastic turn from the books. Yeah, definitely not devolving, but it definitely changes for sure. So now I have finished book three. So I just have to I've watched season one, so I just have to catch up. There yeah. you go. But it's also screener season, so I'm trying to watch all the Oscar movies. Yeah. But well, do this first. <laughs> so speaking of Oscar movies, if you guys, if anyone out there has not watched Birdman yet, like, just do yourself a favor. I haven't. Dude, <laughs> go it's to literally, a movie theater and watch it. It's number one on my list of, like, to watch. I'm a diehard Michael Keaton fan. So yeah. aside from being a diehard Michael Keaton fan, it's also cinematography was set up by Emmanuel Lubinsky, who worked a lot with Alfonso Cuaron um, mm-hmm. in like Children of Men, Gravity, and definitely yeah, So, and anytime and, you say Children of Men, I just get like this like heart palpitation because I haven't seen it in too long. <laughs> I get a different kind of blood flow activity going on when we talk about <laughs> Children of Men. I know. Um, but that's at a any boner rate. joke, folks. <laughs> <laughs> what? What jokes about penises? At any rate. Inappropriate. Now that we've made our one joke about penises for the show. Hey, <laughs> oh, wait, no. Good job, guys. Only one penis joke. This, I'm proud. I, I know, right? Us, I clap for ourselves. Like. They may, maybe they wouldn't have even noticed if we didn't point it out. Yeah. <laughs> too late. Too late oh, now. man. Now we're in two penis jokes. Sorry, guys. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys so much for coming down and listening to Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. Oh this God. has been episode seven. We'll be back. Uh, hopefully in the next uh, next week we will have a whole other episode for you guys. We're gonna jumpstart the uh, like posting of these, so we're gonna skip over four, five, and six, <laughs> so that we can get seven up and back on track. And then we're gonna be posting four, five, and six, in, as well once we've got them up, so that if you want to go back and listen to the archive, you can also do that. So thank you. To be guys fair, so much. they're not that good, so it's fine. Yeah, you know, <laughs> lots of robot voice, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing that no one has listened to episode 7A, right? Let's <laughs> not ever post uh, that could be the actual lost episode. It definitely let's just, is. Let's just uh, make a vinyl of it, but only like make four <laughs> copies and then send them out randomly across America. Yeah, How exactly. bad would that be? We only talked for like six minutes and like four of it was about the interview and it was like the dumbest thing. <laughs> it was bad. But anyways, thank you guys so much for coming down. We're going to talk to you guys next time. Uh, enjoy your comics. Enjoy everything that we talked about. Uh, we'll have lists to all of the comics that we talked about in the show notes. So if you want to grab yourself a copy or a digital copy or let your friends know what they should be reading or watching or anything like that, um, feel free to take a look at the uh, show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. To hear more of Two Guys, a Girl, in a Comic Book Podcast or to share your thoughts and comic recommendations, follow us on Twitter at 2G1GTalkComics. That's the number two, G, the number one, G, Talk Comics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at twoguysandagirltalkcomics at gmail.com. All letters this time. As always, you can find more episodes of the show by visiting our Podbean at twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.